for them for doing that. Great job. Right, well today, as you know, we are actually going to be looking at the topic of emotions. Uh, if you'd like a title for this morning, I've called it Understanding Emotions. Now, to begin our time together, we're going to begin in Ecclesiastes. Um, Ecclesiastes 3, looking at verses 1 to 4. We're going to be jumping around the Bible a little bit. There's no need to look up everything, but that's where we're going to start off with our time together. So I'm going to read those verses, and then I'm going to pray. So Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 4. It says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity for gathering together as women, Father. We thank you for the opportunity of singing together. We thank you for the opportunity of fellowship. And we thank you for the opportunity of open up your word together. Lord, I do pray as I open up your word this morning, I pray that you would help me in my weakness. Lord, would you help me to be clear? Lord, would you help me know where to linger? Would you help me know where to move on? And would it ultimately be your words that we hear this morning? Lord, thank you that you say in your word that your word does not return void. So I pray for each one of us here this morning, Father, that we would leave um, with hearing from you, hearing from your word and being encouraged in this area of our emotions. Amen. Well, I actually wanted to begin by asking you all a question this morning. So when you got up today, how would you describe your emotions? Maybe you were pretty happy. Maybe you have a great weekend ahead planned. The sun is shining. You've got lots to do. Seeing friends, catching up with family. Maybe you're really looking forward to a great weekend. Or maybe you're looking forward to having nothing on this weekend. Maybe you're exhausted from the week and you are looking forward to just a weekend of relaxation. Or maybe you woke up and you felt that initial kick-in of stress this morning. Maybe you're already thinking what's coming next week and you're feeling a little bit anxious. Maybe you are living with a bit of low-grade irritation and you're not really sure why, but you just feel that constant inside you. Or maybe you're just feeling a bit flat. Now, noticing that, that's important. I said flat and not fat. Because one, a few months ago, I was actually feeling a bit flat and I decided to tell Dave when we were driving somewhere, I said, just feeling a bit flat at the moment. He saw, and he heard fat. <laughs> so he starts talking to me about feeling fat. Anyway, the conversation goes downhill from there. Really. So I just wanted to clarify, I said flat, not fat. So, <laughs> but maybe you're just feeling a bit bored with life right now. Maybe you want something exciting to happen. You love change. You're just looking for the next thing. Or maybe you are someone who doesn't really think about your emotions. You know, with, I think with the way life is these days, with so much entertainment, with so much busyness, with work, with leisure, with social media, it's actually quite easy to not actually think about our emotions. And maybe you never stop long enough to think about how you feel. Maybe that's a deliberate thing. Maybe you don't like engaging with your emotions. You don't like thinking about what's going on inside you and how you feel. But my point is we all have emotions. Whether we like it or not, whether we're one of those people who wears our heart on our sleeve and everyone knows what we're thinking and feeling all the time, or whether we are one of those people that try and suppress our emotions, try and pretend we don't have them, we try and ignore them, keep them to ourselves, we all have emotions. As we saw in Ecclesiastes 3, Ecclesiastes 3 says, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Emotions are a part of our lives. We all have emotions. 
And I think at times as Christians, we can sometimes be more uncomfortable with our emotions than sometimes non-Christians can be. Because we can interpret negative emotions as a bit of a sense of failure. Sure, if I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be feeling this way. If we struggle with anxiety, does that just show I'm not trusting God? Should I be feeling anxiety as a Christian? If I have an anger issue, does that just mean I'm selfish? Does that mean I just want things my own way? Even positive emotions as Christians can sometimes make us question ourselves and feel uncomfortable. We can think if we, we need to unpack our happy feelings, you know, am I valuing something over God? Have I replaced the creator for the created? Is there something that I'm clinging to my life that's making me this happy? Or we can feel bad for finding joy in our, in our job, finding joy in our achievements, because are we just being prideful? Am I making it about me? As Christians, sometimes I think we can not always feel comfortable with the emotions we feel. And it's true that scripture does warn us about the dangers of emotion. It does tell us to be suspicious of our own hearts. Our emotions definitely can reflect sinful hearts and they can lead us to make hasty and unwise decisions at times. But as we open up God's word together this morning, the one thing that I want to encourage you in is this. Emotions are a gift from God and are designed to move us away from ourselves and towards God and others in love. Emotions are a gift. They are a gift from God. They were designed by God. They were his idea. And like all gifts he gives us, they're actually designed to point us back to him. Our emotions help us move towards others. They help us to relate to people. They help us to engage with people. And they're essential for building intimacy, both with the people around us, with our friends and family, but also essential for building relational intimacy with God. Emotions are a gift from God and are designed to move us away from ourselves and towards God and others in love. Now, before we continue, I do have a couple of disclaimers. Firstly, so much of what I have learned on this topic has come from a book I've been reading and studying by Carolyn Mahaney and Nicole Whitaker called True Feelings. So I'm really leaning on them and standing on their shoulders with the material I bring into you this morning. I would really recommend it to you if this is something that interests you. I'd recommend it to you for further study as they go into like way more detail than we'll be able to cover this morning. And secondly... As most of you know, I'm not a doctor or a psychologist, and I'm not pretending to be. This morning isn't really designed to stress the more intense emotions, the more complex, debilitating emotions that some people feel every day. But what I do want to encourage you, if you are experiencing that sort of emotional suffering, I just want to encourage you to seek pastoral counsel, to seek care, and if appropriate and where needed, to seek medical attention too. But I just want to encourage you in this. God does see you. He does care about those emotions. It's not a sense that you have failed. It's not that you shouldn't be feeling those emotions if you're a Christian. They are real. And he is walking with you. And his grace is there for you. And also we as a church love you. We care for you. We don't want you to walk that path by yourself. So we would like to come alongside and care for you in any way you can. So if that is you, if you relate to that, please do speak to someone about that. But as we move forward then this morning, there are three points that I want us to consider. Number one, the gift of our emotions. Number two, understanding emotions, if they're a gift, how do we best make use of them, make sense of them? And number three, maturing emotions. How do we seek to grow in our emotions? And my hope for us all this morning as we open up God's word together is that we would understand and embrace the gift of emotions that God has given to us. And the Bible teaches us that our emotions are a gift from God. They are a good thing. And that's where I want us to begin this morning. So point one, the gift of emotions. Emotions are a gift. They're a good thing, as we've talked about. But how do we know this? Well, we know this because God made us with them. 
He designed us. He gave them to us. And in Genesis 1, 31, it says, And God saw that everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. After God had finished creating, he created mankind. He looked on everything he made and declared it was good. And that includes our emotions. Our emotions didn't come as part of the fall. Our emotions have definitely affected and corrupted by the fall, but they were created by God. They are a gift designed by him. They are a good thing. And they are actually an essential part of being human. They play an essential role in our relationship with God, how we relate to God. And they play an essential role with the people around us, how we build those relationships with our friends, with our family member, with our colleagues. They are a gift from God. Emotions are always an, also sorry, an essential way we reflect God's image. In the Bible, we see God express emotion on numerous occasions. We see in here God's anger at the Israelites murmuring. Deuteronomy 1, 34 says, And the Lord God heard your words, and he was angered. God was pleased when he asked Solomon what he wanted. I'll give you anything in my whole kingdom. And when Solomon requested wisdom, it says it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. In Genesis 6, 6, we see God's mankind and God's grief with mankind as a whole. It says, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. When you listen to that emotional language, grieved him to his heart, like the sense and depth of emotions that God feels. We also see God rejoicing over his people with gladness. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Throughout the Bible, we see and we hear God express emotion. He designed us to express emotion too. That's one of the ways we reflect God's image. Now, obviously, God the Father is a spirit. He doesn't express emotion exactly as we do. We, are, we have a body which is an important part of us expressing emotion. Obviously, we like clap and cheer when things go well and get excited. We reach out and touch and hug if people are upset. Our body is a big part of how we express emotions, and God doesn't have that. God is sinless, and his emotions are perfect. So his emotions haven't been corrupted by the fall in the same way ours have. Yet he has chosen to reveal himself, to help us understand who he is. He has chosen to use the language of emotion all through his word. And if we want to see a perfect picture of human emotions on display, obviously, like all things, we, we look at Jesus, who is fully man and fully God. Jesus not only experiences and expresses his emotions as God does, but he also experiences and expresses emotions as we do, as human too. We see his compassion for those who are suffering. John 11, 35, as um, Jesus is going to meet Lazarus, who is sick, and he meets Mary, he's coming towards him, and she's saying, it's too late, Lazarus has died, and it just says... Jesus wept with Mary at the news of Lazarus' death. He experienced that compassion, that emotion. He wept with Mary. We see his anger as he speaks to the Pharisees on numerous occasions. Matthew 12, 34, he says, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? He's clearly angered at these people at this point. We see and feel his heavy-heartedness. I think for me this is one of the ways where we... See his emotion most rawly is obviously in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke twenty two forty four says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Like sweat drops of blood. You can feel, you can sense the emotion in those words, in that language that Jesus was experiencing. You know, our emotions are a gift from God. They are an essential way we bear God's image. And we see this most clearly when we look at Jesus. And in truth, if you just think about life without emotions, 
you can see they're a gift. Because imagine life without, imagine, uh, with, without emotions. Imagine friendships without joy, not being able to enjoy experiences with friends, not being able to laugh together, not being able to cry together and grieve when friends go through suffer. Like even the Queen yesterday, there's a whole country mourning together, grieving together. Imagine not being able to do that, just being indifferent, just flat, not feeling anything. You know, you go to the doctors, you've been having tests done, you're trying to find out what's wrong, you're fearing the worst, as we all do. We go on Google and it tells us what our diagnosis is, but you hear from the doctor finally that you get the all clear. Imagine hearing those news and just having no sense of relief, no sense of joy. You get the promotion you've been working so hard for at work, but there's nothing. You don't react, you don't feel that sense of pleasure. Your sporting team's wins and there's no, no excitement, no celebration. We actually went to see the Matildas as a family on Tuesday and I think because I was prepping for this message over those days, I was very aware of the emotions. Like within the first few minutes, the Matildas scored and we were sat like right behind their goal. So it was great. The whole stand just erupted up. Celebration, cheering, clapping, shouting. And then unfortunately they didn't win at the end. But um, at different times when the ref made what people thought was not a great decision, there was booing, there was, you know, people making gestures towards the ref, people making complaints towards it. Well, I don't mean like terribly rude gestures, but no, I'm sure some people were. But well, they're like, no, they're boo, you know, they're hissing, they don't like the decisions, they are showing emotions. And a couple of weeks ago now, I was actually watching Savannah's semi-final in netball. She's only, only under 11, so like, you wouldn't think it was you know, that great. But it really was actually really in- interesting to watch and entertaining. So um, they, were in the, she was, they uh, were playing the first team on the ladder. They were a very close second team on the ladder, so they were very evenly matched teams. And it was going the first quarter, they were down by four. Second quarter, up by two. Third quarter, down by four. Fourth quarter, they actually won. They were up by two, but actually nobody knew at the end. It would have been so close. Nobody, everyone's looking at each other like, who won? But the whole game was up and down. And us as parents on the sideline, we were like biting our nails. We were like, oh my gosh, I can't watch this. This is like, this is terrible. Um, actually, one mum at the end, I don't really agree with this statement, but she's like, oh, that was just like childbirth. I'm like, I don't think it was quite that bad. But the point was, it, like the emotions, my heart was racing. Like my heart was good. It took me a while to calm down afterwards. So I always said I would never be one of those sports mums, but I am one of those sports mums. I'm like, Shane was like, go down there. Like, so anyway, embarrassing one moment. But anyway, but life would be dull without the gift of emotions. It would be bland. There would be not much to enjoy and experience in that. So in their book, True Feelings, Carolyn and Nicole write, emotions add pleasure, comfort and richness to events and relationships. Emotions colour our lives. And I just found that illustration so helpful. Emotions colour our lives. They bring things to life. Without emotions, we would never feel anything good. And we'd never feel anything bad. They help paint a picture. They help colour our lives. They're a gift from God. So I hope you've seen by now that emotions are a gift from God. And they are an essential way that we bear his image. As I said before, emotions have been corrupted by the fall. They are a gift, but they are a gift, as with all gifts, they have been broken. Therefore, to see them and use them as the gift that God has intended and designed them to be, we actually need to really understand our emotions. And that brings us to point number two, understanding emotions. How can we best make sense of them? How can we best understand them? So under two, number two, understanding emotions. They are a gift from God. They are a good thing, but they can be a mess. And I think we would all 
recognise and acknowledge that. At times, our emotions get tangled. We don't understand and we don't always know why we feel the things we do. But the first thing we need to realise as we seek to understand our emotions is emotions tell us what we value and what we believe. Emotions tell us about who we really are, not just who we say we are. They actually tell us what we really value and what we really believe. They tell us about the people and the things in life that we care about. They tell us about the people and the things in life that are really important to us. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our emotions tell us what we treasure. They tell us what we value. They tell us what captures our hearts. The illustration of Savannah's netball game. Like, I don't really, you know, really, if somebody said to me, do you want to watch 111's netball game? I'd be like, no, not really. I'd rather stay home and drink coffee on a Saturday morning or go out for coffee. But the reason I cared so much when they won, the reason I wanted to be there is because I care about Savannah. Mm -hmm. I care about her team. I see the hard work they've put into it. I know how hard they've worked to get where they've got to. Richie stayed on at the end. There was another uh, 11's, under 11s team were playing for their second spot in the final, and they actually ended on a draw. So theirs went into extra time. So we stayed to watch theirs. Yes, which you would think cats get excited there in their seat, but I wasn't quite as excited. I, what, I enjoyed watching them, but I didn't care in the same way. I wasn't invested because I didn't really know the teams. I didn't know the kids, didn't know who they were. I wasn't invested in them in the same way I valued and cared about Savannah and her friends and her team. The point is, our emotions and our strength of emotions tell us what we value. They tell us what we care about. They tell, about, tell us what we love and what we treasure. Our emotions also tell us what we believe. You know, if you've been for a job interview and you believe it went well, you got in there, you were able to answer all the questions they asked you, you met all the job criteria that they were asking for, you would come out, you feel encouraged, you're happy. Why? Because you actually believe you could get that job. You believe the interview had gone well. You believe there's a possibility you could get that job. But if you don't believe it's gone well, supposing you were even running late for the interview, you ran in, you were frazzled, didn't know what to say to the answers when they asked you, but then you came out and you thought of all the things you could have said, you didn't fully meet the criteria, you leave, you just feel discouraged. You're not feeling very happy. Why? Because you actually don't believe you've got the job at that moment. You don't believe the interview went well. You don't believe they're going to be ringing you, checking your references and offering you the job. What we believe about our situation, how we interpret things, determine the emotions that we feel. What happens is our beliefs and our values join together and they produce our emotions. In other words, our emotions, going backwards, digging deep, Tell us what we value and what we believe. However, that doesn't mean that we should always trust our emotions. As we have seen, our emotions do tell us the truth about ourselves. They do tell us what we really value and what we really believe. But they're not designed to be the final source of truth. In their book, again, True Feelings, Carolyn Nicole write, emotions tell us what is going on inside us. They tell us the truth about who we really are. So emotions that seem unreasonable or irrational are in fact true expressions of an irrational belief or an unreasonable value. Listen to this bit. It says, we may feel like our emotions are making us crazy, but the real culprits are the beliefs and values from which the emotions spring. It's so helpful. 
Our emotions tell us the truth about what we believe and about what we really value. We think, I, you think the emotion, the fruit of that, is actually the problem and that's what we try to fix. But actually, the real problem is not our emotions primarily. The real problem is the belief and the values from which those emotions spring. Our emotions give us an important and helpful insight into our hearts. And most importantly, our emotions add to tell us what we believe about God. Not just what we say we believe, but actually what we really believe. I was actually found this out a few years back now. I was sitting with a lady who was really having a tough time. Not, not a lady that's in our church. But she was going from one thing to the next. You know when you just see those situations and you just think, you cannot catch a break. You have had thing after thing come upon you. And she was having a difficult time, as, as you would expect. She was feeling angry. She was disappointed. She didn't understand what was going on. And I sat with her one time and I just said... What do you believe about God right now? And she answered me. She said that he is good. I said, yeah, but actually what do your feelings and the way you're acting actually say you believe about God right now? And she said, she stopped and she thought about it for a minute. And really insightfully, I think the spirit was at work in her. She said that God is good to everyone except me. And that's exactly what she was believing right now she even thought when she she answered the question with the right answer which we can all do when you've been in church a while you know the right answers to give and you really think you believe that but actually when you look at think okay what are my feelings what are my thoughts towards God what are my beliefs about God what are my emotions revealing about those things right now for her she was she's like I do believe God is good but I don't believe he's good to me he's just good to everyone else And it was really helpful. We were able to unpack that a bit more, able to look at the scripture and start renewing her mind, which was great. And she she grew and she moved on a lot. But it was just really helpful seeing, okay, what do you actually believe in about God right now? Our emotions tell us what we are really believing about God, not just what we say, what the right answer is. Karen and Nicole continue in their book and say, instead of asking ourselves, where did this emotion come from and getting no answer, we can ask, what does this emotion tell me that I believe and value and then trace the emotion back to its source this leads to biblical emotional intelligence when we locate the beliefs and values that fuel our emotions we can examine them in light of scripture and consider whether or not they are pleasing to god the question we need to be asking ourselves is not what does my sorry the question we do need to be asking ourselves is what do my emotion tell me i believe and value about god we don't need to be focusing primarily on the emotion and fixing the emotion we need to be asking ourselves what does this emotion tell me that I really value what does this emotion really tell me that I believe as our values and beliefs is where our emotions spring from now sometimes our emotions are a healthy reaction to life and sometimes they are an alarm bell going off you know we're supposed to be anxious when we're having a job interview or if you're going to an exam it's a little bit unusual if somebody's completely not anxious about those things actually our anxiety can actually help fuel us in those times it gives us the adrenaline to help prepare for the exam helps us prepare for an interview to research what we need but when we take the exam or we've been to the interview the emotions should start to settle they should start to go away it's natural to feel overwhelmed, to feel stressed if you've just bitten on too much more than you can actually chew. If you've committed to, overcommitted, if you've committed to too many things, it's natural to feel that overwhelmed feeling and that stress feeling. But when we step back, when we reassess, when we pull back from what things, some of the things we've overcommitted to and make adjustments, that stress and that anxiety should start to disappear. They should, we should start to feel better. 
But when our emotions are, ex- are extreme and when they cling to us, I heard it said once, as when they stick to us, when they never go away, we don't even necessarily understand why we are feeling those emotions. They're possible evidence that we are believing a lie. So, for example, if you've been for an exam or you've been for an interview and those feelings of anxiety don't go away, what might you be valuing? You might be valuing getting that job a little bit too much. You might see the result of the exam as so important as defining your future. I know people say it now with HSC coming up, these exams do not define your future, but it's very hard for the kids when they're in that point. But if we are valuing that job, if we're valuing that exam too much, those emotions will not go down. Rather than seeking to do our best and trust God, work hard, trust God that he has a perfect plan for us, maybe we value a little bit too much that result of that exam. Or I want to get that high distinction. I don't want, just want to pass. I want to be the best. What lie could we believe in? Well, we could be believing that if we don't pass the exam, where's this going to end up? If I don't get this job, how am I going to afford to live in Sydney? It's so expensive. How am I going to be financially secure if I can't step up this ladder? Maybe we believe the lie that we are actually the one in control of our life, that we are the one that actually have to provide for ourselves, that we have to figure it all out ourselves, that make ourselves financially secure, rather than believing the truth that God is sovereign. That doesn't mean we don't do anything, doesn't mean we don't work hard, we do. But we do that resting in the all-wise, all-knowing, sovereign God, knowing that he has the perfect plan for our life, knowing that he is the one that ultimately provides us, and remembering the truth of Romans 8.32, which says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? God will give us everything we need. Not necessarily everything we want, but he will give us everything we need. He will provide for us. We use wisdom that he gives us. Yes, we try our best, but then we sit back and we trust God, which really affects our stress and anxiety levels at those different times. So understanding emotions. Firstly, emotions tell us what we value and believe. And secondly, emotions can move us to action. The word emotion actually comes from the Latin word mover, which means to move. However, we shouldn't uh, elevate our emotions above our mind and our will. Feelings are powerful and they can cause us to move, but we shouldn't elevate them above our mind and our will. We shouldn't allow our emotions to move us to sin. You know, often you'll hear the phrase, follow your heart, follow your dreams, go with what your feelings are telling you. But that's not necessarily always the best approach. And one time, many years back in the UK now, there was a lady in our church, she was married, she had um, three children at the time, and she was not happy in her marriage. She believed that God wanted her to be happy, which meant that for her, she had met a work colleague that she thought she would be happy with and she believed God was telling her to leave her husband and her family and to go off and start a relationship with this work colleague. Well, engaging our minds, what does scripture say? Biblically speaking, she had no grounds for divorce. There was no abuse, there was no adultery, there was no desertion, there was no grounds to, in, for divorce. So when we're in this situation, we need to engage our will. Okay, so what does the Bible say? The Bible says no grounds for divorce, but what my feelings are telling me is a lie. My feelings, if I just believe God wants me to be happy, therefore he's telling me to leave my husband and family, he's not going to be telling you that if that's going against what scripture says. And then we engage our will and we choose, we cry out for grace to choose what we believe 
is right biblically rather than just going by the way our feelings are telling us. We engage our mind and we engage our will. We don't just let our emotions drive us around. We don't let our emotions lead us into sin. Yeah, unfortunately for her, she went with what her feelings were telling her. She left her husband and children, which obviously had massive consequences for for her and her family, sadly. The point is our emotions are important and they do tell us the truth about what we really believe, about what we really value, and they can move us to action But God gave us other faculties too. He gave us our minds and our will. Our minds give us the ability to think, give us the ability to process information, give the ability to know biblical truth. And our wills actually enable us to choose how we act, to choose how we respond to things, not to just go with what our feelings are telling us. Our minds, will and emotions are actually all designed to work together. We shouldn't be elevating our emotions above our minds and our will. They're important... They tell us about who we are, about what we believe and value, but we shouldn't be elevating them above our minds and our will. But we should engage our emotions and actually allow them to move us. Primarily, they're designed to turn us away from ourselves and to move us towards God and others in love. You know, we should allow our, um, our emotions to move us towards God. We see in the Bible on numerous occasions, 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. If you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed, the Bible says, bring those feelings to God because he cares for you. He knows what you're feeling anyway. We can't hide our emotions from God. But the Bible tells us, bring them to him. Psalm 56.3 says, when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. Matthew 11.28 to 30 says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The Psalms are full of examples of people having just that honest, open conversation with God, not just telling him all the answers they know he think he wants to hear, that just having that honest conversation with God, pouring out their hearts to him. They're also full of people rejoicing in him. And God wants us to do both. He wants to come wants us to come to him with those what we would feel as negative and difficult emotions. He also wants us to come to him with thanksgiving and praise and joy in him. Our emotions were designed to move us towards God and towards those around us in love. They cause us, as we talked about earlier, to reach out. If you've got a friend who's talking to you, who's crying over a situation, it's a little bit strange if you just sit there, isn't it? Your natural reaction is to lean out, to at least touch, to give them a hug maybe if that's appropriate. But you definitely lean in. You, your body leans in toward them. Your our natural disposition is to go towards them. People who are going through, friends who are going through difficult situations, our natural reaction is to want to ease their burden, to help carry their burden. We want to do practical things with them, make them meals, Help with other different things, practical things, if we can, to help ease their burden. Our emotions should cause us to want to move towards people. If you are walking past a driveway, this happens to me sometimes when I'm walking the dog. If there's another dog in the driveway and it sounds like massive, I do find I speed up a little bit because I'm a little bit scared that there's going to be a big dog running at me. Our emotions should cause us to move. They should cause us to react to things. We're not robots. We are designed to feel different kinds of emotions. And these emotions are designed to move us. That is a good thing. Our emotions were never designed to be suppressed, which I know can be our temptation at times. They're not supposed to be designed to be suppressed. They're supposed to drive us towards others, towards God. They're not supposed to drive us inwards. Actually, theologian D.G. Benner writes, emotional suppression is not only the cause of many psychological problems, it should probably also be seen as a sinful response to emotion in that it violates God's intention. 
it's not going to go well for us if we try and suppress our emotions, to try and pretend that we're not feeling that way. That's not God's design for us. Our design for us was for him to... His design for us was for him to to share those emotions, to allow us to evaluate what we're believing, to allow us to move. Suppressing our emotions, as I'm sure you know, doesn't actually work well. In fact, what happens is you usually find the pressure, it builds up, builds up and builds up so much that you explode. You either explode inwardly, which as we learned in that quote, cause psychological damage. It can literally cause your mind to snap if you've been bottling up those emotions too long. Or it explodes in an emotional outburst. And I'm sure, like, I definitely have those now and again, and we all know that doesn't necessarily go very well. Because our emotions were never being designed to be suppressed. They were never designed to drive us inwards. They were designed to help us move outwards towards God and others in love. They weren't designed to make us to go into ourselves. As we have seen, emotions are a gift from God and are designed to move us away from ourselves and towards God and others in love. Finally then, point number three, maturing our emotions. How can we seek to mature in our emotions, to grow in our understanding of emotions? How can we seek to develop our emotions into maturity? You know, our emotions were, as we saw, corrupted by the fall. They were not created by the fall, they were created by God. How can we ensure then that we are using them as the gift God has designed them to be? And there are four things then just briefly that we can do to mature our emotions to help bring our emotions in line with the example of Jesus as we saw earlier. Number one, then spending time in God's word. Psalm 19, 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And then verse 8 continues, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. If we want to mature our emotions, we actually need to spend time in God's word. We need to spend time renewing our minds, shaping our values and belief to come in line with what God values and what God believes. The Bible is actually not primarily a book about us. You know, I think sometimes we can use it and it's, it's a good thing. It does guide us, it does help us, but primarily the Bible is a book about God, telling us about who he is, telling us about his character telling us about what he has done for us, telling us about what he values and what he believes. It's not primarily designed to be a book about us. We want to spend time reading reading it. We want to spend time meditating on the verses. You know, we shouldn't wait until we feel like we want to read the Bible. Like sometimes talking to people about Bible reading, they say, oh, I don't want to read the Bible if I don't feel like it because that's just legalism. Well, no, legalism is if you feel like reading your Bible is earning you favour with God or earning your salvation. Making yourself read the Bible is actually called disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness, which is what the Bible actually teaches us to do. So we shouldn't wait till we feel like we want to read the Bible, but over time, the Bible should increase our joy in the Lord. We should want to read the Bible more. It should engage our emotions. We should feel that joy. It's like any relationship. When you first meet someone, it can be a bit awkward at first. You don't know much about them. There can be those awkward silences. You don't necessarily love that person in the way that you're going to in the future because you don't know them so well. And reading the Bible is just like that. It's a book about God. At times, it can feel difficult. It can feel like, oh, I'm not getting the feels as I read it. We don't read to feel, but we should, at times, the Bible should engage our emotions. It should shape our values and beliefs, as we have seen from which our emotions spring. It should shape how we view God. It should help shape what we treasure. And if we want our emotions to be more in line with God's, be more in line with Jesus, we need to let him shape and value what we believe and what we treasure. 
You know, the whole saying, we become more like who we spend time with. The people you hang out with, you become like them. If we spend time in God's word, we become like him. He changes us. He moulds our minds. He renews our minds. But our emotions should never trump God's word. I was talking with a lady once at Mainly Music, and um, she was talking about Sovereign Grace, and she said, oh, you're the church that doesn't have female pastors, which, to be honest, I never volunteer that information up front with somebody because it's not usually a great conversation starter. Um, I said, yeah, I said, we would be complementarian in that way. And she said, she just sat there and she thought, she said, ah, oh, I, think, I think it's okay for a woman to be a pastor. But what was sad was, there was no, like, what does the Bible say? Or I believe it's right for women to be a pastor because of this verse. She wasn't making her argument because of, uh, due to scripture. She was going purely on what she thought, what she felt was right. So we should never let our emotions inform God's word. We actually need to let God's word inform our emotions. If we want to mature in our emotions, we also need to spend time in prayer. God uses prayer to change our situations and to change our circumstances, but he also uses it to change our emotions. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't necessarily mean that he will give you exactly what you are praying for, what you are asking for. It's good to come to God with things that we would desire, what things we would ask for, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to give them to us. But actually what prayer does do is it can change our hearts. It actually brings our desires in line with God's desires. It shapes them. When we spend time in prayer, particularly if you pray through scripture, if you think, I don't really know, I don't know what to pray in line with God's will is, well, take a scripture passage and pray through that. Pray that back to God. Pray his promises. Pray the truth of who he is, the truth of God's word back to him. And that will help shape our emotions but be careful with the feels in prayer as I said earlier we don't want to primarily be driven by them we want to make sure that they are in line with God's word now another way we can be sure our emotions is by gathering God's people Hebrews 10 24 to 25 says and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near we are called to stir one another up to love and good words, to encourage others to, others to love God more, to encourage others to love the people around them that God has joined them to. That in our love for God and our love for others, we will actually be then moved, as it says, towards good works, not neglecting meeting together. God knows that if we do, we will drift. We will grow cold. We are not designed to be saved just into a Jesus and me relationship. We're actually designed and saved into a family because God knows we need each other. We need each other to come alongside, encourage us and to help us grow. And about you, when I meet with God's people, I feel encouraged. I feel, feel spurred on. When I come to a Sunday morning, when I go to a um, gospel community group, sometimes even if I don't feel like it, maybe I'm tired, had a bad day, don't really feel like going. Sometimes I think, oh, I've got to go, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit there. Um, I leave feeling encouraged. God uses that to encourage me. He uses other people around me to speak truth to me, even if I'm not feeling that way myself. My affections for God are stirred. My affections for his people are stirred. And I leave feeling encouraged. <clears throat> and we need this <clears throat> as Christians. It's Ephesians 5, 19 says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. That's another reason why we gather together, to sing together. Have you ever thought about why that's important? I mean, like, why are we called to sing? Why does it matter? Why can't we just speak truth? 
Why does it have to be sung? Like people like me, I'm not really a very good singer. Why does God actually call us to do that? Well, because music is a gift from God. Like all the other gifts, it's actually designed to point us to him, to, to the giver. And music does have the, the ability to stir our emotions. That's how God has created it, which I know for some people, they're like, oh, there's a bit of emotionalism, a bit wary of that. But if the words that we are singing to that music are biblically grounded truths, which is actually why the pastors at our church are super strict on the songs we sing. Like, there can be, like, one word, one word in a line that they're like, that's not biblical. They won't sing it because it's important. We need to be putting biblical truth to songs because music does help stir our emotions. And that's a good thing because it's a gift that God has given us if it's set to biblical truths that moves help us to move towards intimacy with God in that worship, to help us to praise him, to help us bring thanksgiving. Now, finally, how can we seek to grow and mature in our emotions? <clears throat> Number four, recognising gifts from God around us. Keep our eyes and our ears open. I think sometimes we are so busy, busy with getting on to the next thing, we can forget to look around us and see the, God, the gifts that God has given us. And actually in Psalms, we are told to recount God's blessings on numerous of occasions but often we're too busy to actually notice them. We forget who God is and what he's done for us, even starting with the gift of Jesus. I mean, if God has never done anything else for us, the fact that he has sent his son to live that perfect life, to die that death so that we can be forgiven of our sins, so that we can be reconciled into a relationship with him, that we can enjoy that relationship both now and into eternity, that's massive. If he never had done anything else for us, that should be enough to point us to him, to stir emotions for him. But we, the problem is we get familiar with that. We grow cold to that. We forget the enormity of what he has done for us in that. He has given us church families to do life with, which is also something we should be grateful for and allow us to point us back to him. He has given us financial provision. You know, I feel most of us have a pantry full of food at home that God has provided for us. It's not just one thing. God could have made it that we fill up on a tablet, but he didn't. He actually made it for the gift of food, the gift we food enjoyed this morning, the different variety of food, but we become familiar with it. We don't be thankful for it in the way that we should do. We don't allow it as the gift that it is given to us to allow us to point us to Jesus, which is actually what, to point us to God is what it's designed to food. We just become familiar with it. So used to going to, go to the pantry and grabbing something or having dinner, having breakfast, having lunch, going out for a meal. All gifts from God that we need to allow to point us back to him. Nature sunsets. I mean, uh, Sydney's amazing for nature. You've got everything. You've got bush, you've got beaches, you've got everything. Taking the time, going into nature, having a look. No blade of grass is the same. No leaf is the same. No animal is exactly the same, but we can be so busy that we forget to notice that. So I encourage you, go out, go for that walk, go to the beach, take in the surroundings, turn off your music, turn off your podcast, and just sit and look at the gifts God has put around us and allow it to direct us back to him to direct us back to him in praise and worship and thanksgiving because that is what all gifts are designed to be a signpost back to him but we need to slow down and stop and look and take them in enough for them to allow them to do that in closing then i hope we have seen this morning that emotions are a gift from god they are designed to move us away from ourselves and towards god and others in love as we are thinking, all things around us, the bodies, our minds, our hearts, our emotions are broken due to the effects of sin. That's the bad news. We are broken. 
But the good news is that God is in the process of restoration. He is in the process of making all things new. And it's a journey. And it can be a painful journey at times. And maybe this morning has been difficult for you because you are aware of the brokenness that you feel. But here is God's promise to us all. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is at work in you. He's at work in me. He hasn't abandoned us. He will bring his work to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. But he's there with us for the journey too. Allow our emotions. We need to allow our emotions to move us to him. And in Revelation 21.4, we are reminded that there will come a day when, like all things, our emotions will be made new. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, nor for the former things have passed away. There will be a day when all things, including our emotions, will be made new. And ultimately, that is where our hope lies. That is what we need to keep looking to, to keep us going, to keep us looking up. To, look, to keep us looking forward to the day where all things will be made new, including our emotions. And to just look to and see the gift of emotions as a gift that they were designed to be. Let's pray.